series that we're going through to show how God brings shifts and changes to the life of our stories. Turn with me first over to 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, uh, verses 3 through 6, and then hold your finger there and go over to Judges chapter 6, verses, verses starting at verse 11 there. So and we'll start reading in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, verses 10, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, 3 through 6. Let's go ahead and walk through it. Let's go. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not warring according to the flesh. Keep going. Amen. Judges chapter 6, start at verse 11, and we will go from verse 11 to about, uh, we'll go to the 14th verse, and then we'll jump over to verses 25 uh, through 26. Let's read together. It says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the tabernacle at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abiezrite, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. Keep going. Amen. Verses 25 uh, through 26. Let's read. Amen, amen, amen. Today under our Story Changes series, I would like to talk to you briefly about breaking free from strongholds. Breaking free from strongholds. Let's go before the Lord. Father, we thank you that you are the ultimate freedom fighter, Lord God, that gives us the ability to be free from our brokenness, free from everything in our life that would inhibit us from maximizing the story that you have planned for us. And so, God, I pray for your people today that they wouldn't fear today. Lord God, I pray for your people that they wouldn't run today from you, but run towards you. Lord God, so that they can be all that you want us to be, so that you can give us everything that we, help us to walk in everything we need for life and godliness, Lord God. And I Pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be 
acceptable in your sight. Oh God, our strength and our redeemer in whom we trust and help us not to just be hearers of the word, walking in deception, but help us to be effectual doers. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody give me that say it. You may be seated. You may be seated. Um, we've been going through a series on God who changed stories. And as we've been going through this series through God the story changer, we have seen that the Lord uh, is at work on a massive level to shift creation back towards him. And that which is unredeemed, it goes away from him. And so we saw that we have a micro-narrative. Somebody say micro-narrative. Micro-narrative is our story. Uh, we also have a macro-narrative. Say macro-narrative. Macro-narrative is what's going on on earth, what's going on among people. But meta-narrative, somebody say meta-narrative. That's the big picture. That's the redemptive massivity that God wants to bring to shift creation back towards him to be all that it's supposed to be. In other words, everything in life is moving heavenward in its direction in the sense of the renewal so that there will be a new heavens and a new earth and God tabernacled among us hanging out with those who know him as Savior forever and the removal of those who don't know him and the destruction of all creation that's not under the redemptive banner of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we talk about this idea of him being a story changer, you can't help talking about him being a story changer if you don't talk about story stoppers. In, in, in other words, in every story, there is a protagonist and an antagonist. Now, 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 but in some stories, when, they, when the writer wants to show off, there is not only a protagonist and an antagonist who are two different people, places, or things, but in some stories, the protagonist is both the protagonist and the antagonist. In other words, the person that we're trying to see redemptive come through their story, but then sometimes the person whose story is shifting is the problem with why the story isn't shifting at all. And I come to tell you today that some of our story hasn't changed, not because God doesn't want a change to come, it's because there are things in our lives that inhibit the change coming. All that God wants to do, he's a good steward with all of those things. And if we don't begin to work through our stuff, if we don't work through our mess, if we don't work through our past, what can happen is there can be a cap on how wide God can use you. And so what God wants to do in your story is to help you to face those things that are the consistent uh, 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 Issues that inhibit that. My father, who I love to death, my father is 91 years old. And you know when you get that age, you tell your story over and over and over again. I, my, my, I, when my dad started talking, I say, yeah, dad. And then after that, you made 10 cents a day. And then you went from there and you made a dollar a day. You gave 95 cents to your, you gave a dollar to your mama. She gave you a nickel. You was able to use a part of the nickel. Oh, no, she gave you 25 cents. You used a nickel to get in the movies. You used a dime to get popcorn and candy and a soda. How expensive are things today? So he goes through this whole thing of a jiggy. You know what I'm saying? Just, he gets the, I, I heard the story a thousand times. But, 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 but those are the fun parts of his story. 
But my father, you got to understand, grew up in Clinton, South Carolina. He was born in 1923 in the heart of the Jim Crow era. He remembers lynchings. Y'all got real quiet. He remembers his cousin getting lynched, his uncle getting killed for no apparent reason. Um, he, re he, he, he even uh, recognizes a picture that he has, that the only picture of his father that he has. His father left him at four months old, and at f five years, uh, six years old, my father had to start working to support the house. And then as he got older, he had to drop out of the fourth grade to go and work to provide for a house because his father was not there. He saw racism all around him, and he was so frustrated with it that at 16 years old, he went uh, down uh, to the registrar's office to register to go to World War II because Jim Crow South was so bad that he would rather be in a war than be in the South. To this day, though, Dad's working through it. He's a believer. He loves the Lord. He done been through some stuff. He done been through two bouts with cancer and three heart attacks and flatlined in 1983. He was in two wars, World War II, Korean War, got shot in each one, Purple Hearts, and he took a ticket and kept on going. But, but what's interesting about that is there are things in his story that he admits that he has never gotten over. As a matter of fact, he even looks back and gives wisdom to me uh, in, in telling his story, son, don't ever let what happened to you define you. And so what began to happen, <coughs> as I think about this series, I think about this idea of story changers, and I think about strongholds, and Paul comes here in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 6, and we'll look at this, because I want you to look at this family of God, and this is a sermon that I'll probably do once every five years at Epiphany Fellowship. Um, and, and, and what you're going to see in this here is the bedrock of what inhibits the story. Then I want to take you over to Judges 6 to give you a case study of how God can work it out if you deal with your stuff. And so the Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're divinely powered for the destruction of fortresses. We take every thought captive so that we can obey Jesus Christ. Wow. So in other words, a stronghold family of God is not the stuff you do. A stronghold is the stinking thinking that causes you to do the silly things. Paul didn't say, he said, he said we're, 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 we're coming against every argument and lofty opinion that exalt itself in our mind against the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So there are things in your life that you don't believe God in. There's some things in your life that have taken root as unbelieving, believing unbelief systems that are the bedrock of why you do what you do. In, 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 other, in, other, in, other, in other words, there, there's, there's a point in time in your life where something happened when, when it hurt you, or you went through something, or you're actively doing something that comes from a place. Uh, uh, but, but Paul says, I don't want you to stay in the place where you're letting these things remain embedded in your heart and mind. What I want you to do is I want you to take them captive. Somebody say take captive. He wants you to take them captive for one purpose and one purpose only, that they may obey Jesus Christ. 
So, so, so what has to happen now, family of God, is there has to be us dealing with the messed up mindsets that impact our ability uh, to walk with the Lord powerfully. If you've ever been through something difficult, and, 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 and the enemy loves to whisper in your ear when you go through something difficult. Because when you pray and God doesn't come through in your timing or your way, the devil be like, see, man, God don't really feel you like that. You know what I'm saying? He don't love you, man. Why are you even fool with him? Listen, man, we partying over here. The party over here. All that Holy Ghost party stuff, man, that's for, that's for the corny culture. Over here, we gets it in. So I'm just letting you know, we'll love you over here. Whatever you want, we're going to hook you up. Whatever you need, we got you. We'll make you feel good. We'll make you enjoy yourself. And all of a sudden, you begin to tiptoe into places that you wouldn't have tiptoed into because you let the devil make you think that the God of heaven doesn't love you, that he's not good, and that can be an open door for you allowing him to have some roots in your life where you've exalted some stuff in your life above Christ, and you're not walking and living in the story that God wants you to live in because you're believing the voice of the enemy. But we came here today by God's grace to encourage you and serve notice on those thoughts that we are going to take those thoughts captive so that they can obey Christ. Because you don't know that those thoughts have you locked in bondage. I can remember family of God. When I thought, what my, my issue with, with my exploits out there, with drugs and all different types of things, was I believed that the devil had more enjoyment than God. Even though God created serotonin and epinephrine in your body, even though he's the one that gave you joy to enjoy, the devil will tell you he has an upgrade on God. But what we have to begin to do is think through the fact that that's not true. And so he says, every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So what's a stronghold? A stronghold, a stronghold is a mindset, a value system, or thought process that hinders your growth. It's a mindset, value system, or thought process that hinders your growth. And so when you go over and now you look over in Judges chapter 6, you can look at Judges chapter 6, family, and what you'll see now is a case study. A case study in a book that talks about a man of uh, several people that are dealing with strongholds. As a, 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 not only several people, but a nation that's dealing with strongholds. The Bible says in Judges chapter 17, verse 6, is that this was the time when people did what was right in their own eyes. Eyes, their point to mind. In other words, whatever you want, you can have it. That's the thought process. And so we come to a place where God, but this is what God does when you walk in strongholds. He gives you a whooping. Now, we see in this text that the Midianites is the belt that God uses on the children of Israel. Instead of using the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Gergesites, and the Amorites, he used the Midianites, which is their cousins, to give them a whooping to turn them back towards the Lord. And so we come to one point and one point only I got for you, and I'm out of your way. If you're going to break free from strongholds, one thing and one thing only that you should know is in order to break free from strongholds, to unleash your story to the glory of God, listen to me today, you must have an encounter with God. You, you, you got to have a God encounter. And now, that happens on various levels, uh, but you have to have an encounter where, where, where God comes after you. Now, now, the Bible says here, it says, and the, the angel of the Lord appeared, appeared to Gideon 
and, and was chilling, my translation, under the terebinth tree by Ophrah. And so, and so God is cloaking himself. I believe, you know, I watch Star Trek and, and, and Star Wars and all that. You ever seen cloaking technology where something's present, but it's invisible, but it's there? Can you imagine? So God loves Gideon so much that he fashions himself in the pre-incarnate person of Jesus Christ before Jesus Christ comes, creates him, puts him, not creates, but puts himself in some type of form that's a human form. And stands and cloaks and watches Gideon while he's in his stronghold. That's beautiful to me. See, some of y'all gonna get it in a second. See, 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 God could have come another way. He could have came with gats from heaven open, lighting Gideon up. But God didn't do it that way. God shows up cloaked and watch, just looks at Gideon. See, that's what God's doing to you right now. How we doing right now? He cloaked. He said, you don't know that I'm there, but I'm watching you in your stronghold, not destroying you, but I'm coming near to you. Y'all going to miss that. And so he's standing right there. He's just watching you. He said, look, 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 look at this. Can you believe this? I can't even believe it. You know, and, and what I like about this, though, is that God didn't wait for Gideon to get it right. Okay, let me say that another way because y'all missed that. God didn't let Gideon get himself together to come after him. God came after him while he was a mess. Wow. In other words, Gideon is functioning in his stronghold, and God doesn't let Gideon's distance from him in his life get in the way of him closing the gap of distance to come after him. See, see, I like that. I, I, like, I like the fact that, that God comes after me, I don't come after him. That's the glory of the gospel, that my mess is not so messy that God can't come after me. Now, let me see if I can make it more plain, because y'all looking at me funny. Um, God is omniscient. <coughs> he knows everything. He knows everything past, present, and future. He knows all of your sins that you and I committed, of all people of all times, past, present, and future, and he can see them all simultaneously at the same time because he doesn't exist in time, but he sees all time, okay? Not only that, God sees what you could have done that was stupid, actual and potential, and the different timelines in all of his multifaceted places that it could have ended you up at and saw all of the messes that you were in, the worst places of your mess, but not only what you did, but what it took in your heart to form the decision to do it, and he still loves you. So if God can see everybody's mess at the same time, why do you think he can't look at your little mess in your life and love you enough to close the gap between you and him? And so God, God, God uncloaks himself. And Gideon, the Bible says that Gideon was beating wheat in the wine press. This is funny right here. Now, don't read past anything too quickly in the Bible. The Bible says he was beating wheat in the wine press. Now, wheat was for the threshing floor. Grapes was for the wine press. You go out to the threshing floor, you throw up the wheat, it, the wind separates the wheat from the tares, and then you mill it and do your work, and boom, you got whatever you're going to use the wheat for. But Gideon, because he's scared of the Midianites, begins to create different dysfunctional functions in his life to deal with the fact that they're being disobedient to God and created strongholds. 
In, 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 in other words, whenever you're in, you know you're in a stronghold when you use things that were created for one reason for another reason. In other words, you create a new normal, and, and this is what's funny, you'll get so used to it that you don't know that you're in a mess. Okay, let me see if I make plan. My wife put me on this show, Hoarders. I don't know if you ever seen that, that show. That show, Hoarders. You ever seen that show, Hoarders? Who's seen that show, Hoarders? You ever watch that? You see how the folk house look, man? You know what I'm saying? They got all types of stuff off. Now, if you got your house like that, I'm sorry, but I'm talking about the TV show. Um, so don't be like, give me an email. See, Pastor, you don't know what we're going through. You say, don't just, I'm talking about the TV show, not you. So anyway, um, uh, uh, um, but, 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 but what happens is people got, I mean, like, like this one lady, she had like 150 cats. A hundred. And, 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 and no places for them to go to the bathroom. And you know, cats is nasty. And don't, don't come up to me, Pastor, I got a cat. Listen, I'm talking about their house, all right? And so, and so they, she had no, one of them little tray things that you put the little meow stuff in, right? And so, I mean, they, and so it's 150 cats. Toilet stopped up, kitchen is, I'm talking about, and, and the house is so much mess in there, it smells like ammonia. Just a mess. And so the people from the show knock on the door. You know, to open the door, and they're like, whoa. Grab the gas mask, grab the gas mask, right? But that don't trip you out. The, what trips you out is the person coming to the door chilling. I mean, they, they just like, ha, how you doing? You're like, hold on, do you smell the messicity of your mess? But the problem with them is, is they've been hoarding so long that they've gotten used to a mess and made a mess functional. Some of us in our lives don't recognize that we are in a functional mess. And when you're in a functional mess, you create a new normal. And God, and God is saying, you, I, want you, I want to give you clarity. See, what God does in the gospel is he gives you clarity to notice your mess. How does he do it? He calls you to something bigger than where you are. It's right here in the text. He, he uncloaks himself, which would have scared me. I'll let you know, right? See, that's what a part I don't even understand. I'm working and some, some guy just uncloses himself and says, the Lord is with you, almighty man of valor. Now, I'm just, can I just, um, he doesn't say hi. Um, he doesn't say, yo, man, what you doing? <coughs> hey, man, what, how you, he didn't say any of that. God, when he, when he comes in your life, he's he about business. All the pleasantries. See, you do the pleasantries. Hallowed be thy name. That's your pleasantries. But he don't pray to you, so he just come in and he can cut to the chase. All right? And so, and so what he does, he come in, he come in your life, and he be like, hey, mighty man of valor. How, how mighty woman of valor? How you? It's interesting, though. This is weird. That's why you don't read fast past stuff. The Bible just said that Gideon is hiding. But he calls him a mighty man of valor. Now you're still looking at me funny. Let me explain what a mighty man of valor is. Uh, uh, the Hebrew word for mighty man of valor is eshekhail. That word, uh, that, that, it points to a special ops team of crazy special forces agents in the Bible. 
Let me see if I can make a plan. See, see, Joab was like, when David wanted to get something done, he sent Joab and a little battalion of dudes, and they run in and run a caper, go swords out, you know, come, you know, they hang upside down, grab a dude by the neck, cut his neck, and go back up. He's like, how did he fall? How did he fall? And dude, they don't even know dudes in the trees type stuff. You know, that's the type of, let me see if I can make an even plan. You got Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, but within it, you got special ops forces. When, it, when, when they want to do something, they send about 15 dudes. 15 dudes out, the black ops, and what you call Navy SEALs, and all of that. And, and what they do is that what they do when they come out, he goes like this. He said, You go like this, and the dudes come with the snub nose joints. <laughs> and he comes in, he said, He said, And go, and then two of them peel off. They peel off like this and go around the corner carrying on. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? They be, Doc, them dudes be a beast. Then he said, There are four people that took up. Dudes just falling out. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's, that's a mighty man of valor. Mighty men of valor are crazy. They'll go into insurmountable odds with sheer skill and wreck the whole shop. Let me tell you something. When you're in your mess, God sees you beyond your mess. <laughs> see, God, God, see, God doesn't choose you based on you. See, some of y'all think you got to put the right selfie together to send to heaven. But see, God doesn't look at your hair in the selfie. He looks at the hair that you had before the selfie. See, that's the way God loves you. See, people love you based on, they want to talk to you and holler at you based on how you look in some pictorial. But God likes you when you ain't got on no makeup, when your shape up messed up, when you ain't got your weave right, when you, when you got new growth, when your breath's stinking. You need, listen, God likes you when you've when you been in a mud battle and in a mud, that's how much he loves you. But the issue is, is when he's determined to work in you and will his good pleasure, he pushes past where you are to where he wants you to be. Let me see if I can make a plan. Y'all still looking at me funny. God don't pick people where he's the worst picker of people in the universe. He is. In man's eyes, he's the worst. He, he's bad at it. But let me tell you why. Like, um, we go, if you go to basketball court around the corner, you want to do what's called make it, take it. You go to basketball court. You want to be on the basketball court for all day. You know, so you, if you brought a few dudes and you need to pick some dudes, you're like, wait till he looks. All right, we got you. We're going to pick you up. We're going to pick you up. You know what I'm saying? You pick them up, man. Uh, you, you know, but, 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 but God don't go out to the basketball court looking the way we look. Let's imagine God the Father, God the Son, drop down to earth, boom, like this. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He go like this. He got on, he got on his, his, his glory, his glory gear. He got on the back, Father, number one. <laughs> God the Son, number two. That's, anyway. But then at the bottom it says team three and one, right here, right here, right here. <laughs> and then, and then, and then the God the Father goes to the basketball court with his Jordans on. He like this, and he got, he got, he got wristbands on, sweatband on the top, and he chewing some gum, some big league, you know, what I'm saying going like this, some hubba bubba, you know, some Wrigley Spearmint, some juicy fruit, you know, what I'm saying he's going like this, chewing, and the sun and the sun and sun and sun is sun is bouncing, bouncing like this. Not even look, he said, pops. So yes, son, time to choose. You gonna choose? Because you know you're the chooser of the Godhead. He said, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm going to do it. Holy Ghost like, yep, yeah, let's go. He said, boom. God the Father say, let me look. Shorty right there. Come on. Young lady, come on. Let's roll. Now, they've been on the basketball court all day. Nobody chose them. 
So everybody, like, oh, they about to lose. They doing like, oh, they about, they about to lose. They about to lose. This, this is about to be over. This ain't no way in the world they gonna win. But see, they don't know how God picks because God is a bad talent scout because he picks people without gifts. Because the way his system works, he gives them once you're on the team. Y'all ain't gonna talk back to me. And what happens is, is when God drafts you on his team, he gives you skill. He gives you renewal so that when people see you passing the ball, when people see you running point, when people see you dunking, they be like, what in the world happened? It wasn't until they got on his team. See, that's how God works. But that's what your life is like. You have no skill. You are a scrub. But in him, you are all-star. Oh, y'all ain't gonna talk back to me. In him, you are not all American, you all world. In him. But it has to be in him. So all of that's waiting for you. Why in the world won't you deal with your stuff? All of that's waiting for you. Why won't you walk in the healing that God has for you? Why don't you walk in the freedom? If all of that's for you, why you won't walk in it? Why you won't deal with your stuff? And God says this to Gideon, and Gideon says, where has God been? He said, where has God been? There's a stronghold. He said, God don't care about us. He ain't feeling us like that. And God ignores him and says, I want you to go in the strength and you're going to kill all these people. He ignores them. God ignores your excuses for following him. I'm in the text, y'all. He ignored Gideon. When God is determined to use you, he makes you do it. But then in verse 25, look at verse 25. Look at verse 25. Verse 25, he goes, <coughs> in verse 25, he said, I want you to go to your father's house. That's what I want you to do. He said, take a bull, take your father's bull and a second bull, seven years old, and pull down. Somebody say pull down. Pull down, uh, pull down the altar of Baal that your father has, that your father has, and cut down. Somebody say cut down. Cut down. The assurance that's beside. In other words, I want you to go to the root places that has caused the mess in your life. <laughs> That's when they, that's when they, see, see, God calls you to participate in your deliverance. <laughs> By his power, though. <laughs> that means that there's some places where you were hurt, some places where you were abandoned <clears throat> that you need to go back to. He went back to his dad's house. This is what started the ruckus anyway. It all accounts, Colossians chapter 3 says, all sin amounts to idolatry. Stronghold is basically idolizing someone, something, and someplace else above the knowledge of Christ. So now, but you can't deal with the symptom of it. Don't deal with the cough and the sniffle and the hot shoe. You got to deal with the, the, the bacteria that's in your soul that has caused all of those symptoms to come forth. In him, he had to go to his daddy's house. He had to go to his daddy's house to do business because the root of his issue was in daddy's house. And so some of, of y'all got to go to daddy's house. 
Some of y'all got to go to mama's house. Some of y'all got to go to some specific spots in your life that have been inhibiting the glory of what God wants to do in your life. I've had to go to places in my life where long forgotten to go deal with issues in my life so that I want to be everything God wants me to be. I don't want anything in the way of him slingshotting me into the future of holiness and godliness to be a pipeline, not a puddle. So you, you got to get sick and tired of being sick and tired, family. Dealing with the same old, same old. Dealing with the same, whatever, you te- whatever story you tell over and over and over again is the hurt you're dealing with. Whatever story you tell, you, you got you to, whatever you snap at often, deal with that. Oh, y'all not going to talk back to me. It's okay, because we're getting real, real right now. Uh, 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 um, some of y'all don't know why you keep going back to that ex. Did you? <laughs> the wall just said amen, so I got an amen right there. God, 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 he got too much for you, for you to be messing around like that. He loves you enough to tell you, bring your behind over here and let's go there. That's what I love about God. But he's loving you at the same time. That's what's crazy about it. And he said, go to your father's house. He said, I want you to pull down. His father was a priest. So you know, it was a ruckus. Later, we'll see that in a second. But what I love about God is he never tells you to remove anything in your life. Put the next verse up. He He never tells you to remove anything in your life without telling you to do this. Build an altar to the Lord on top of. Somebody say on top of. On top of the stronghold. Stronghold means high place in the Old Testament. He said, the highest place in your daddy's house, put me there. (laughs) The highest place in your life, put me there. Oh my God. If you just let him be on top of everything. On, on top of everything. Because why? Why would you put it on top? So that you can see it's the highest place in the house where every time you look, you never forget about him. But whatever you have exalted highest in your house is what you always see and build your life around as central. But when you put him on top of everything in your life, you'll look at him over and over and over and over and over again and be reminded of where he brought you from. You better recognize where God brought you from. You better recognize he done brought some of y'all from a mighty long way already. If you look back over your life and look at all that he brought you through, you ain't going to regret what he delivered you from. You ain't got to regret it because he's better. He's better. He's better than all of it. That's what the book of Hebrews is about. He's a better covenant. He's a better priest. He's a better angel. He's a better sacrifice. He's better. (laughs) But don't think, (laughs) they ain't ain't gonna put this up there. See that? Um, Don't think though, when you get free, there ain't nobody going to be mad. Oh, help me, Lord. Later on, the people that shared the stronghold with Gideon, 
got mad because Gideon got free. See, there's some people in your life that depend on you being bound. That when you get free, instead of wanting freedom, they're going to be mad. Because your freedom in Christ points to their bondage. Help me today, God. And so you got to be prepared the fact that when you get free, everybody ain't going to be applauding you. And you got to be okay with that. You got to be okay with people not being happy with that. But what I love is the story gets bigger. Because from here, God takes Gideon and he takes all of these people. And God says, listen, I'm going, I, what I did with you, I want to show everybody what I did. And I'm going to knock this thing down to 300 people to take care of thousands. And then after that, you still want to have to fight. Because when God does something in your life, he always, over and over and over again, points you, points you to the massiveness of who he is to take care of you and to bring comprehensive deliverance in that particular area. And so I'm, call, I'm praying for you today that you won't be scared, that you would recognize that your life is bigger than your bondage, that where he's called you in himself he wants to use you beyond where you are because of the power and strength of his might. And so won't you go today, go digging. Go digging up some old bones, some old flames in your soul, some old things that has gotten in the way of that so that you can be slingshotted into a glorious, gospel-centered, Christ-glorifying, spirit-empowered, unbelievable journey that he's called us to rock for him. He's called us to rock with him. Why don't you rock with him today? Why don't you let it go today? Every head bow, every eye close. Every head bow, every eye close. Maybe um, you're not a believer today. You don't know Christ as Savior. <coughs> you don't know Christ as Savior. You don't know him. You don't know him. You, you, you never come into a relationship with him. Never come into a relationship. Never trusted that Christ's death on the cross paid for you to be with God. The Bible says he made him a new no sin to become sin on our behalf. So that the anger that he has towards your sin pours out on Jesus fully, fully unleashes his anger on Christ and justly pays for those who believe. He raised him up on the third day from the grave so that we can have life and life more abundantly. If you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior.